0: so I love a good call story you know we don't call them call stories per se when we talk about them really it's more like so how did you end up doing what you're doing you know how did you get here stories there are a number of them in the first testament and although they they might share some certain characteristics not a one of them is identical first there's Gideon right His people are farmers, but they're out near the desert, and so they are often pestered by raiders. And there's an NFL joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to tell it. (laughs) Some of the most notorious were Midians. And God tells Gideon that he will be the one to save Israel from their onslaught. Gideon is not convinced. Gideon says, yeah, uh uh-huh. My family is the weakest of all of these families in this territory of Israel, and I'm the youngest in my family. But God says, I will be with you. And then there's Samuel. When God calls to Samuel, who eventually becomes a prophet and anoints Saul and David as kings of Israel... He was a boy too, but when God called right away, he says, here I am. And when Isaiah was called to hear him tell it, at any rate, angels were flying all over the place and their voices shook the doorways and they filled the temple with smoke. And it was a scary sight indeed, I'm sure. But when he heard the voice of God asking, huh, who shall I send? Right away he says, here I am, Lord, send me. And what God called Jeremiah. He realizes he's got a really big task ahead of him, and he's got to prophesy, speak truth to power, to all the nations. He protests. Like Gideon, he says, God, I am too young. I don't know how to say all of these things that you want me to say. And God says, don't be afraid. I will be with you. In the Second Testament, Luke describes Mary's call. When the angel appears to Mary, she's a tad apprehensive. The New Revised Standard Version says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. i got to tell you, if an angel appeared to me, whether or not I was highly favored... I would be greatly troubled. Right? And the angel explains that she's going to bear a child and Mary responds with, I'm the Lord's servant, whatever you say. When Jesus calls his disciples, a number of them drop their nets immediately and follow. And then there's Moses. He's a pretty reluctant fellow. Right? He's minding his own business He's tending his flock out there by the mountain of Horeb. He sees this burning bush and he hears, Moses! Moses! Here I am. I've seen the misery of my people. I have heard them crying. I am concerned about their suffering. I have come to rescue them. And to do that, I'm sending you. Me? Me? Why on earth would Pharaoh pay any attention to me? Who am I that I should be able to rescue anyone? I'll be with you. Okay, so let's say that I get there. Who am I supposed to say sent me? Well, tell them that I sent you. Tell them the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that's who sent you, they'll listen. Suppose they don't. Signs, says God. Signs. You'll turn a staff into a snake and you'll turn water into blood. You know, God, no disrespect intended here, but I am not a very eloquent speaker. I stutter, you know. Who do you think made you that way? I will help you. I will teach you what to say. God, please send Someone else. Exasperated, God says later, tell you what, I'll send your brother along with you. He's a good talker. You tell him what to say. I'll help you both say what you should say and do what you should do. And soon Moses is on his way out of Egypt and he's taking God's people with him. Now I suppose at some point, We all fluctuate between the three, right? There are certainly those things in our lives that are easier to say yes to immediately than others. Some things the response is, well, I wasn't planning on it, but I guess I'll roll with it. And then there are other times that we are absolutely sure that God has called the wrong number. I'm grateful for all of these stories because it gives me some backup some justification if I need it, some identification when I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing is God's will, or if what I'm doing is what I want to do. It can be very vexing trying to figure out what God's will is. There are any number of ways we try to reassure ourselves about it, because really, I think deep down we want to do God's will, I've heard people say that they know it's God's will when they embark on a course of action and everything just sort of falls into place. It was so easy, it must be God's will. The converse of that, though, that I hear on occasion is that I've bumped up against roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Everything seems so difficult. Maybe what I'm doing isn't God's will. I mean, if I'm forcing things to happen, maybe this is my will and not God's will. But if things falling into place is the way to identify God's will, then Moses is in some mighty big trouble. Dude wanders the desert for decades. He doesn't even make it to where God said he was going to go. There's one thing that strikes me about Moses' story. He notices. He sees the burning bush and he goes over to investigate. He pays attention. He's just going about his ordinary life at this point. He's no prophet. He's not a high priest. He's not ordained. He's a shepherd. He's dirty. He's despised. People don't like shepherds, no matter the nice little paintings of Jesus with the lamb on his back that we get. But he notices the bush. He investigates when he hears God's voice. And after he notices, he's willing. He could have ignored it. Theologian Terence Fretham notes that noticing is as important as being able to hear. In verses 1 through 9, we get noticed 10 times. There would not have been an investigation had there not been noticing in the first place. So we need to do what Moses does. We need to notice. Take a look around. What's going on? We need to hear what's happening. We need to see what's happening. We need to be willing. What if Moses would have ignored it? What if he would have just walked right on by? So interesting, but I'm just a shepherd. We need to notice and we need to be willing because it's not always obvious. Blogger Rick Morley wrote, that is perhaps a small point, but when God sets a bush ablaze, he didn't do it right in front of Moses. He didn't choose the bush that Moses was about to stumble upon. It was close, but it was at enough distance that Moses would have had to have gone out of his way to explore it. But that's sort of like God sometimes, isn't it? Here we are, we're just minding our own business, tending to our flock, going on about our lives, and then out of nowhere, God pulls us off of our path and into a different direction. Chances are, there was no burning bush. Most likely, our challenge to follow is where God is leading. To notice what God is calling us to is a much more subtle thing than a burning bush out of the field. God is calling us out of our way to go explore, calling us out of our comfortable life to take a risk, to allow God to call us to something more than we are, bigger than we are, to allow God to call us to something that we think perhaps, like Moses, we cannot do. Moses' little chat with God lets us know, too, that we can have questions, we can have doubts. We can tell God we're not all that sure. God is big enough for questions. God is big enough for doubts. And the further we go along the path that God has laid out for us, whether we are walking in eager anticipation like Isaiah or humble acceptance like Mary or with a lot of trepidation and concern like Moses, we can be sure of one thing. We can be sure that God is telling us that God will go with us. Amen.